Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, Matthew. You ready, up, for, this in- you ready yeah. for this intro? What do you Welcome got? to the sesh. Welcome, Suns fans, to the Suns Jam Session podcast. Super excited to be here. It's funny, huh? Welcome to the sesh. That's going to be the new thing, Matthew. Is it? I don't like nah, that. <laughs> we should have had a meeting about that before we started. I, I, well, I, I was saying it in my head all day. I'm like, dude, when we're doing the podcast tonight, I'm saying welcome to the sesh. The and then sesh. I just said it, and okay. I actually said it out loud, and it sounded really bad. Uh, <laughs> So well, welcome to the, the Suns Jam Session podcast. There you go. That sounds normal. And I like something that. that. Okay. Okay. Well, that's what we'll go with from now on. It's the John and Matthew Session podcast. I'm John. He's Matthew. And we're, as always, super excited and thankful that you pressed play and decided to join us for this here pod. As always, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast via Bright Side of the Sun, whether you're listening on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever they call theirs. I don't know. You have an LG phone. What do they call podcasts on Google, on like Google Androids? Actually, I don't know. I use a different app. It's not even like Google or anything. It's like some cheesy app where I get all my apps. I used to. Now everything's Spotify. So yeah. So that's the last. That's I why I listen all mine is <laughs> yeah. Spotify. So if you're listening on Spotify, we thank you and please subscribe as well. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow my cohort in crime, the master of the microphone, Matthew Lissy at Matthew Lissy. Pretty simple there. And you can always visit the show's webpage, Suns Jam Session at oh wait there's no at it's a sunsjamsession.com our yes. email address is sunsjamsession at gmail.com there you go i'm yeah. super excited for this matthew i've got right here some upper crust pizza look at I that got, i got a beer right here i just went look 30 and 4 on uh team deathmatch on call of duty did you really no yeah, that's, th- that's worth the shout out there that's that's pretty good 30 and 4 i was just owning fools like i've never the game that. and the last kill i was like what's going on wow just a great day for you I went and I hit golf balls in 109 degrees. Oh. I, didn't even, I couldn't finish my bucket because I was so goddamn hot. I'm out there, but I think I figured out something in my swing. Of course, you always think That's that. Until you go out on the golf course, you just shank the first one. You're yeah. like, fuck. It was probably just a mirage, though. No, I honestly really think I figured something out. Like, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Right, I'm playing again on Monday. So, but Very that's cool. a long that's a long time till then. We're recording this on a Friday. We've got plenty to talk about. Suns related, seeing that they are now in the bubble. Uh, but first and foremost, I got to pop open this beer. So can't talk Suns unless I got a beer. So let me crack it open. It's a twist off. That sounded super lame, but it tastes delicious. Mm. Let's talk Suns, baby. Right, Matthew the first practices have occurred the team is in the bubble which the NBA really wants it to be called the campus 
although I really like the Bubble Boys moniker that Espo came up with because it was Valley Boys, now they're the Bubble Boys. And yeah. I tried to come up with something camp- campus. It's like campus chaps. No, it just doesn't work. <laughs> the NBA is really focusing on campus. I was watching NBA TV last night, and they had the guys from TNT on there, Eddie and Charles and Kenny and Shaq. Yeah. And every person that they were interviewing who was inside the bubble was like, hey, the NBA wants it called the campus. So they're living that campus life. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't like the campus. I actually haven't heard the campus because it's like um, basically if like a substitute teacher comes in, you start calling him like Dingleberry. He's like, no, don't call me Dingleberry. It's Danny. <laughs> but then everyone, they're going to keep calling him Dingleberry. They're not going to call him Danny. So that's the way it is with the with the bubble. You got the bubble boys, which is great because I'm listening to the new podcast that um, Kelly Oubre just yeah. released on Spotify. So I got that playing. Make sure you ask your parents about that first. But um, yeah, I got that going. So Bubble, <laughs> bubble Boys is where I'm going to. That's, that's my go-to. Yeah, those are the Bubble Boys, man. And they've finished the first practice. And Monty, after the practice, had a meeting with the media via Zoom. And a couple of the things that he was talking about was how the shooting and the conditioning gr- drills are really what they're focused on the first couple days and just seeing the team back together the, for the first time in a while, he said the gym energy was great, you know, on the flight over to Phoenix or I'm sorry, from Phoenix to Orlando, it was really kind of quiet. You know, everyone's got their masks on and no one's really talking a whole bunch. You know, there's not a lot of energy on the plane and then they arrive and they're going into their, you know, their rooms at the yacht club and hanging out in there for the first 48 hours, essentially before they can go practice. Yeah. And he said, you know, once they got in the gym, the team's engaged, they're having fun. And that's what it's all about. And uh, it's just, it's great to hear that. It's great to see that the guys are finally feeling a little sense of normalcy. And it's like us, you know, going to work. I mean, this is the first time these guys have gone to work in four months. And it's, I don't know about you, but it's been weird going into work for me. It's been weird for you too, right? Yeah, it's definitely weird. Um, You get back to it though. Once they step on the court, everything's going to be the same, I think. And the whole 48 hours in the room must have been very, very strange for them. But it looks like um, they're getting what they want. I know the food, we'll talk about that later. But PJ Tucker actually got a whole like 80 inch TV already sent from Samsung to his to his room. So it's like they're going to be accommodated to what they want, what they need to like make this work. To think that they're going to be starved without anything, I don't believe in that. But for them, it's just different just because, like Monte said, getting on a plane was the weirdest part of this whole thing. But once they're Mm -hmm. together, they're all talking. They're all having a great time. Now it's just back to work. It's funny you mentioned P.J. Tucker because they were talking about him last night on NBA TV. And they were saying how, seeing as he's such a sneaker geek, that he brought with him 45 pairs of sneakers oh, and, wow. he, and he plans to continue to buy a ton off eBay. And he's actually struck up a deal with eBay to where he can get them for cheaper and kind of like, you know, promote eBay in doing so. So, I mean, that's, it's going to be weird for these guys going into this environment. But as Monty said in his presser, the NBA is doing everything that they can. You know, when you, he asked if he feels safe, he's like, absolutely. You know, they're doing so much. I mean, they're getting tested every time they go anywhere. Uh, they're, Allowed to kind of go off campus, but no one's really doing it. You know, I heard yeah. a, a buddy of mine who's actually a former Major League Baseball pitcher, I was talking to him today about how it's being handled on the Major League Baseball side. He said one of his buddies who pitches in Toronto, like ha- there's like armed security guards around their little bubble that they've created in Toronto. And it's like, and if you, if you leave, it's like a $750,000 fine. 
Yeah, maybe jail time too. I saw that too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. isn't that is insane? That crazy. It's, and then, like, that's how Major League <laughs> Baseball's handling it, and the NBA yeah. is just like kind of working on the honor system. And it's because they're doing the continual testing. It's like, listen, if you go off campus and you go down to the clubs in Orlando, and then you come back and you test positive, like, there's consequences. You don't get to play. Yes. You know, so they're letting them be adults, where it's almost like in Major League Baseball they're being prisoners. Yeah, but if, if you go off campus and you come back and you are positive, you're ruining it for everybody. You're blowing mm-hmm. the whole thing up. So no one wants to be responsible for that. Everything's so well put together. There was actually a video, and I'm really I'm living through these videos and stuff on Twitter from the players. Oh, me and too. They were, like, it's just every day there's going to be something new. Like every hour there's something that we didn't expect to see in the bubble, but they were playing uh, bags. It was uh, Chris Paul and some other player. And but they're not they're not six feet from each other. They have the mask on, but like they're not six feet from each other. So it's like it's well, fine. It's, I'm not it, mad it's about getting that, in that habit. You know, just, that, yeah, they're going to be next to each other anyways on, in practice. So well, and that's what Monty said. He's like the biggest difference. The weirdest thing for them was after they were done with practice was putting the masks back on and going back kind of into that protocol stage. Yeah. And that's truly you know that's how I feel at work every day. You know, I wear a mask all around the property every day. When I first went back to work, it was dead and it was just kind of eerie how dead it was. And Monty was saying that, you know, he's there at Disney World, a place that he's been numerous times because he lived in Orlando for three years and just seen the lack of traffic. He's got a beautiful view of a lake. There's no one on the lake. And yeah. it, it, he's getting to experience kind of that eeriness that I know I personally felt about a month and 10 days ago when I went back to work. And it's just interesting seeing that. And to your point, if you want to get a great view of what's going on in the bubble, go on Instagram and just start following all these NBA players because they're just uploading them to their stories. Yes. And you can just go and watch their stories and you can see what, it's the coolest thing. Like it's one of the huge advantages of living in 2020 is the accessibility we have to these players. We don't have to wait to hear a report of something that happened three days ago and somebody's like, oh, I heard Chris Paul was playing bags with a mask on. It's like, dude, I saw that today. You know, so I mean, yeah. it's just like, it's so cool. It is. It's way cool. And they're just living a normal life now. It seems kind of scary to a lot of people for what's going uh, about what's going on. But when they're in the bubble and they're just like trying to check into the room and get everything going, it's just, you know, it's like a little mini vacation. Um, but they, they're acting normal about it. No one's really freaking out yet. So it's, it looks fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the questions that came up for Monty was who's there? The first question actually on the press oh, no. conference, it's like, Hey, who's there? And he's just like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to answer that. You know, we <laughs> yeah. know just based on pictures that D book is there and Deandre Ayton and Sarich and Ty uh-huh. Jerome, Javon Carter, Kelly Oubre jr. So we know the majority of the teams there. We know that the rest of the team's coming at a later date. I'm assuming Mikhail Bridges probably isn't there yet. Uh, if Frank Kaminsky was there, I feel like we kind of know, but eventually everybody will be there. Yeah. And, uh, we will be complete. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's right around the corner, man. We're less than three weeks away from tip off. It's just, yeah, but that's, like, it's real. Th- this thing is crazy though. Cause he's not really announcing who's there. Who's not. This kind of goes to what I was speaking about maybe a couple weeks ago on the pod where mm-hmm. it was like, is Adam silver, are they going to release names of people that are actually positive? So two sons were positive, right? And mm-hmm. we still don't know who do you think that's going to continue when the bubble or when the playoffs start and all that, when someone has COVID, like, are they going to tell everyone who has it? I know they're like, we're going to see them on the court and they're going to be visual or visible. Excuse yeah. me. But are we going to know who it is? Like well, right I now mean, you can hide them, but later on you can't. Well, I mean, we can deduct them once it, everything, everybody's there and the games are starting. It's like, Oh, Frank Kaminsky's out for the next two weeks. Hmm. You know, right yeah. now they're still, it, it's at players discretion. It's part of their, their privacy rights is That's if they true. have it, they don't have to necessarily say it. So whoever the Suns players who 
tested positive. It was their choice that, hey, I don't want my name put out there. You know, whereas other members of the NBA, like Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, these are people who voluntarily said, yes, I've tested positive for the coronavirus. So there's no right or wrong answer there. I just know that once the season begins and all of a sudden there's, you know, the injury report and you see that Mikhail Bridges is out and it's a couple days in a row, you can probably deduct the fact that he probably tested positive. My yeah. guess is once the season begins and it occurs, with so much information that's out there, I don't know if the NBA needs to make an announcement on who it is. I'm pretty sure we could figure it out because we could probably almost figure it out who it was now. Yeah, but does it's it really got, matter it, too? It's got to be Frank and it's got to be Mikhail. They were practicing at the facility and, and they're not there. We haven't seen yeah. their picture getting off a plane yet holding a big fucking 18-inch monitor uh, to play video games. No, and it doesn't really matter either. So the way, the, whatever way they decide like to handle this situation before we actually get to see them play, it's up to the NBA. And I think they're doing a great job. Like Monte said, they feel safe and they've gotten everything scheduled out perfectly. So I was thinking about this, you know, this being on campus in the bubble life. And I got a question for you, Matthew. Yeah. Have you ever experienced anything similar? Like, have you ever experienced solitude? Not really. I mean, right now, maybe just because, you know, you have to stay by yourself and, but I, I recently moved out, like I'm by myself now, but besides mm-hmm. that, I mean, I can do what I want, you know, I can invite whoever I want over here. You know, if you're walking down the street, I might grab you to hey, come hey. inside and hang out. But <laughs> no, <inside. laughs> nothing like what they're going through. Uh, I don't think it's as bad as what they, what we think it is. But uh, what about you though? I don't think I've really had the experience that I can recall. Well, I know that both you and I are one of five kids. You've got four siblings, as do I. So like growing up, I never experienced just true solitude. I shared my room with somebody until the day I moved out. Uh, But it does remind me, hearing everything that they're saying, it reminds me of a couple different times in my life as a member of the military. When I joined the Army and I flew to St. Louis, Missouri, and I went to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri for basic training, that was the first time there was some sense of solitude in the fact that you had to go to your room. Like you had to do what you were told. There was no, Oh, I'm just going to go down to McDonald's today. It's like, you're in basic. Like you're getting up when the drill sergeant comes in there and, and throws your ass out of bed. You're, you know, you're doing stuff with other people all day, but you're doing stuff. And then you go back to the barracks and you shine your boots at the end of the day. And it's like, there's just no freedom. So I've experienced that side of like confinement and not being able to go do what you want to do. And then when I was stationed in Korea, everybody gets a roommate and my roommate actually left. And for like eight months, I was there for a year for eight months. They never put another person in my room, which was awesome. It's like, it's a tiny little room. It's probably not much bigger than what the guys are in in Orlando right now, but I didn't have a roommate for like eight months. And I was a cook in the military and stationed in Korea. It was all day action, ADA. So I'd get up at four in the morning. I'd cook breakfast, lunch, dinner. I wouldn't get back to the barracks until uh, about, nine o'clock at night, 2100. And I just had to turn around and do it the next day. So it was like perpetually, it's like work my room, work my room. And like other guys, they go out downrange and go drinking and such. Like, I just want to do it. I remember that year it was 2004. I played whatever major league baseball game. I played the entire season and the playoffs with like Randy Johnson and the Arizona Dimebacks. And, uh, I mean, it was just boring as shit there. Yeah. Um, but so it's not as bad as what they're going through, right? Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, but like I when mean, I hear, the, yeah. hear these stories of like solitude and being alone and, you know, trying to navigate what that feels like and the kind of the culture yeah. shock of what that is. I'm like, I can relate to that being in the military, but I got to give DA and uh, Devin Booker props because they did exactly what I did. The first uh-huh. thing I did when I was in Korea is I went down to the PX and I bought a, a 
I went to go buy a PlayStation, didn't have any, so I bought an Xbox. Yeah. And they, you see the pictures of them, they're carrying That's the monitors. Yeah. I mean, that's how like you got to do it. If I got to be stuck in my room, I'm hooking up a gaming exactly. system and I'm just going to game. Just like PJ Tucker has a huge screen TV. How many people do you think are in, in his room right now watching TV? As long as they're six feet apart, it's cool, I'm just man. saying, cool. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's <laughs> happening. I'm just saying, if he had that TV delivered and I was right next door, I'd be like, all right, well, I'm going to come over and cuddle and we're going to watch some movies. <laughs> well, speaking of movies, Monty was talking about potentially oh, having nights. movie nights yeah. what movies do you think he's going to show the team I, you know he, i'm surprised he didn't really say but well no one asked him the question that's the first question i would ask it's like hold on monty you said that you're looking forward to this time being together with the team and there might be an opportunity to show some movie nights what yeah. movies do you plan on showing so they have to be inspirational right i would think so the way like, he talked about it remember the titans that's got to be like top five yeah yeah i think so i just i don't know the way it's funny the way he talks about movie night and stuff reminds you of like when you're younger and some or something like that like a teacher yeah um but because i feel like they have a lot invested in him and they they think of him as a role model i would say so it's like if you if he recommends a movie like hey come watch this this is something that you should have seen by the time you're you know older you should at least have seen this to like inspire you a little bit Mm -hmm. i would love that that would be fantastic i would think that would be such a great idea i'm glad he thought about that i just want to know what the movie i know me too well what do you think do you have any well, re- remember the titans yeah it's gotta be up there blindside maybe like i'm thinking like inspirational sports yeah, movies yeah like blindside i feel though is a movie that a lot of the guys have probably seen because the guys are in between like 20 and 30 i don't know and that movie came out probably seven to ten years ago too so busy like making out and stuff all the time no dude. but they were but they were like 10 years old yeah making you know out. when that movie came out yeah <laughs> whatever these guys were like long and gangly and they felt goofy when they were young. there's no way <laughs> yeah. frank kaminsky was making yeah. out with chicks at 10 you know i'm trying to think of what else though it's like maybe maybe like he goes real old school and he's dropped some 80s movies i was like hey have you guys seen top gun oh yeah, you, top, you, you know i mean i don't know i just yeah. i hope that he someday tells us what movies are going to be played on movie well nights. ask him next time you see him i will i will next uh next zoom media call i'm asking him there you go uh, another fun topic that's all over social media right now, especially after Troy Daniels submitted some photos, was the food. Tell me what your thoughts are on the food in the bubble. Go ahead. What? I was just, just going to say, it's not as good as this upper crust pizza that I'm eating. No, of course not. But I just, I knew this stuff would happen. I just, I hate when people complain about stuff. I know the food doesn't look that great, but they can get seconds and thirds. It's not like that's all they're eating. It's not like that's like one tray of peanuts and like that's all they can eat. They can get as much as they want. And I know it doesn't look as appetizing, but it's just, it's frustrating to me. I don't know why I'm so upset about it. It's just like, if they have everything set up, the NBA has tried so hard to get this together. And all the players that do is just fly in and sit their fat butts on the couch and do whatever. Till then, why, why can't they just be happy with the food that they have right now? I don't know why, for some reason, I just got so upset when they kept complaining about the food they were getting. It's just like, give the NBA a chance. Like they're trying to make things work for you guys. Well, and we know that once like the initial period is over and everybody's arrived and everybody's kind of gone through the quarantine process and there's those negative tests, that these guys are going to get their personal chefs in there and there's going to be top-notch eating. I think it's funny. I I think it's funny more than anything because I've learned this a long time ago. Like I said, cook in the military. I work in food and beverage at a resort. The first thing people ever complain about, if you ever go, hey, <laughs> tell me about something negative, everybody yeah. just automatically goes, the food. Doesn't yeah. matter where you go, how great something is, 
people always find a way they'll sit there and be like, listen, I had an amazing steak dinner. Okay. The mashed potatoes were creamy. There was a slight butter on top. There was cauliflower on the side. It was perfectly cooked, but you know, the roll they gave me was a little hard. Like everybody's yeah. always got to throw one nag in at the food. So once I saw this, I knew it was going to happen and I just found it kind but of there- funny. Those people are paying for the experience. The players are here basically for free. I know they're working, but this is just like the first part of it. So it's just like when this stuff gets on Twitter, I'm sure it's just annoying to like Adam Silver where he's just like trying to provide the best he can for these players, but then they're on Twitter complaining about it. I just, I don't know why I'm so... (laughs) I'm not really upset. I just, I don't know. I got kind of aggravated with it just because I don't want them to complain. Because like when you try to throw a party and the two people show up that you know that you invited because that's all you know and they start complaining about stuff it's like mm-hmm. that's <laughs> my well, party's with three people <laughs> but but here this takes me to my next point and this will be kind of my final point on the campus environment or the bubble for the bubble boys monty stated nba basketball is a get to not a got to like when it comes to the yeah. food Listen, you get to play basketball. You don't got to play basketball. So if you're coming to the bubble and you choose that you want to, all right? Yes. The food is part of that experience. You get to play basketball. Here's the side experience you're going to have for four days is some potato chips and some things that that you chose before you went there. It's not like these guys showed up and they're just like, oh, um, boom. These are options that were provided and they kind of checked a list and said, hey, I want to eat this. I don't want to eat that. Add this to my meal. So it's like you, you check these. They get to play basketball. They don't got to play basketball. And I love that, that mindset. I mean, yeah, me I'm too. somebody personally who, as, as a leader, I always utilize uh, phrases to my team to motivate my team. Champions adjust. You know, I say that to my team day in and day out. Uh, do the right thing or do the thing right. You know, all these little, like, phrases. And, like, Monty does these same things. And when I hear him in the press conference, like I get inspired, like I want to go play for this guy. And I can't tell you the last time I felt that about a coach. And I know we've said it multiple times on the podcast, how much we respect Monty Williams for who he is and how the team responds to him. But again, him saying NBA basketball is a get to and not a got to. I mean, that's such a great mindset, right? When they do play, I mean, they play basketball professionally, but they work their ass off to get there. The things that come with it, those are the things that they get to do. And everything they get to do is basically free. So all this stuff is just free. And I don't want them to see, I don't want to see them complaining at all. I just, that's just something that's frustrating. And I love that Monte kind of points that out. Even he even talked about the food. He said like, this isn't the worst I've ever had. So it's like, it's food. It's there. It's, it'll keep you full till like the next day, but Later on, it'll get better, but it's not the worst I've ever seen. It's just things like that are just kind of bugging me. Well, again, I just think that with Monty at the helm, the team will appreciate the little things, and who knows, hopefully the results will follow. Following his press conference, we were finally introduced to Cameron Payne, and it was great to hear what he had to say uh, based on the questions that were provided to him to different members of the local media and, you know, one thing that he said, he's like, listen, I've grown up, I've matured more, so I feel I can bring a great amount of consistency to the team and just do yes. whatever the coach needs me to do. I'm a dog, I'm a road warrior, so anything that's asked, I'm going to go and get it done. You know, and you look at Cameron Payne's can't, uh, career, he's a lottery pick, he's a guy who just doesn't work out for him in Oklahoma City, he plays for Chicago a little bit, he ends up a little bit in Cleveland, G League, China, G League. So he's a guy who's, you know, 23 or 20. I want to say he's 24 now. And he's been through a lot in his career. Yeah, and yeah. he was talking about how he was just chilling in the pool and he got the call from Monty and he went running. And he was just so excited for an opportunity 
to play in the NBA. Uh-huh. And I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have on this team, but between Cameron Payne and James Jones earlier this week, who we talked about in the last podcast, they both made extremely strong statements and we're hearing what we want to hear as fans. We're hearing a guy who's coming in and is like, listen, I've been through shit. And because of that, I'm mature and I'm ready to play. And then you have James Jones saying, listen, we're not flying all the way to Orlando to roll over for the opposition. We're there on a mission. Do you think this is going to translate to their on-court performance? I don't know. That's really tough because, again, I don't know. I I feel like we hear this a lot. Okay, so I'll go first to Cameron Payne. So I like what he said, and it reminds me a lot of, like, maybe this is Josh Jackson's future to where, you know, he – he was a lottery pick. He went everywhere. He was over the seas. He had to play in the G League. All of that sounds like Josh Jackson. So if it's, it's, this is a player that actually woke up and has a confidence now that he's matured. That's something I would lo- I love to hear because I don't really remember, like, if I ever really heard that from other players, you know what I mean, that would admit, like, yeah, I matured. I got over the hump and stuff like that. Like, even, like, um, you know, Josh Gordon from the NFL that plays in the mm-hmm. NFL – you know, he's, he's been suspended so many times, but I've never really heard him say, like, I've matured. Like, I've gotten over whatever, you know. He just gets reinstated with, like, no comment, really. But I, I'm not and saying – And we keep drafting him. And we keep drafting him. In, I'm not in, saying, in fantasy football. Exactly. And like, but he's just a great wide receiver. But not to compare this guy to him, I'm just saying, like, I like to hear those comments. We've been writing this since Monte got here, just the confidence and everything that he said about the organization, how they're going to do the right thing, and – you know, kind of instill something in this team that we never had with the leadership. So I'm a believer in it. And we saw a little bit of it this season to where we kind of turned things around and got back on track. So I do believe it. I believe that we will see see it on the court because we have leaders, I feel like, on this team now with Ricky Rubio. Booker is going to turn into a leader. He has no choice but to turn into a leader. Not saying this eight games, but maybe going into next season. But just having this to talk the talk like this, it mm-hmm. will be instilled in their brain. They'll have something to actually fight for. And they just they have an excuse to play hard. Cause all these players I feel like believe in like one thing, and that's getting a championship. And I don't think there's one player on that team that's not confident that they, they can't. Both those strong statements for me reminds me of every offseason. You know, we just at least as of late, you know, we get so excited because we see moves. We might not always agree with the moves, but we find confidence in the moves and then kind of the season happens and then we're let down. I know that coming into this season, we had high expectations and if it wasn't for numerous reasons of derailment, we probably would have met some of those expectations. 30 wins was the goal. We won 19 games last season. So moving up to 30, that was a goal. Now, granted, after the first 10 games, we're like, hey, playoffs are bust. Yeah. But reality set back in, along with injuries and suspensions and things of that nature. We understand what it's like to have somebody tell you, hey, we're going to go out there, we're going to kick ass, and then it doesn't happen. So I know that we're in the hope stage right now. We're three weeks away from tip-off for the Phoenix Suns. So we're sitting there thinking, yeah, you know, hope. Hey, every little thing they're saying, that's the right thing. But I like that they're saying the right thing, kind of to your point. It's not something you always hear. You know, normally – in the past, with Jay Triano, Igor Kokoshkov, uh, Earl Watson, you know, Earl Watson would say some, some things that I had confidence in. But the other guys, I never really had confidence in what they were saying because they would say something somewhat motivating, not really motivating, but somewhat motivating. And then you'd ask them a question like, well, why'd you uh, sit Josh Jackson? And they give you some cloak and dagger kind of comment. So I just, I didn't know if I ever really trusted it. You know, I don't know yeah. if I truly expect the Suns to come out and play well, but you look at their schedule, you know, they start off against the Wizards and there's no Bradley Bill or Davis Bertans. 
Then they play the Mavs, who are without Dwight Powell or Jalen Brunson. They got the Clippers, and then they play the Pacers with no Victor Oladipo. So, I mean, there's, yeah. there's guys who are somewhat key members of the teams, and there might be a chance. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have, they have no – there's no way around it that they have a chance. Mm-hmm. But just them playing hard, is, it's that simple. It's not like that's if, they, the key. If, if they go out there and they lose, it's fine. But that's what we saw this season is just them playing hard consistently. That's like all we want. So that's backing up the talk. If we see a team that's been given up the last – the three years prior that give up towards the end of the season, that's different. This team has been more consistent of just playing hard. So that's – if you're going to say, you know, I matured, like Cameron Payne, and then this team's all focused on, you know, one thing, just going into the win, blah, 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 all that stuff, and you're actually out there trying to prove it, that's great. That's what I want to see. That's all I want to see. Because in the end, I feel like if you continue to do this and continue to actually say these things and play that way, it's going to happen to where you're winning games and you're actually going to be in the playoffs. Well, and, like, uh, tanking doesn't benefit this team at all. No. You know, if they don't make the playoffs, they have the 10th, you know, They'd be slotted for number 10. They got a 13.9% chance to gain a top four pick. They have a 65.9% chance of staying right where they're at. They actually have a 19% chance of picking number 11. So it doesn't benefit them to tank. It does nothing but motivate them to try to come out and just, you know, go against some quality competition and try to show the world who they are. You know, again, hearing Cameron Payne talk about playing in the playoffs as a member of OKC and how difficult it is, you know, bringing him in, and especially seeing as what his contract's going to be next year, it's only like a hundred thousand dollar, a hundred thousand, a million dollar contract. Yeah. You know, if he does play well, do you think that he's somebody who frees up some cap space for the Suns because they technically don't have to re-sign a Kobo, they mm-hmm. don't have to bring back Javon Carter? I mean, they could free up some cap space. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Now again, it's 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 eight games. You know, eight games is. is is just shy of 10% of a regular season. So you can't put a lot of stock in Cameron Payne, but do you think that he's going to have more than a last guy off the bench option in this uh, Orlando bubble, just so Monty can kind of see what he has in him? I think so. I think the more I keep hearing about him and just the interview watching him, I don't, that's the thing where I just want to see the guy on television. I want to see in like how he presents himself. I mean, it seems like he is there to like really show that he, he can fit on a team. And like, I, I mean, like you said that I said before where I was like, he'll be like the last guy off the bench. He probably won't play any minutes because of the chemistry, but it's like, this is really his chance. Cause like you said, Okobo, hopefully he doesn't play at all in these eight games, but he won't be resigned, <laughs> but um, he'll be gone. So if he can prove himself, to, when he comes in like has some good solid minutes mm-hmm. and just some great hustle plays and all that and keep him on the floor as long as you can when Rubio's not there that would be great to see even going into next season well we'll see yeah uh, one, thing, one thing we didn't see in the press conference is his jersey number because we have a lunch bet oh, on his jersey number that, huh? yeah, yeah he didn't he came out and he just had a jumper on he didn't have the jersey on so Uh-oh. we still don't have confirmation on our lunch bet you said 18 I said 16 we'll have to wait all right, we'll have to take a picture wherever we go to lunch. Well, I, if we can't even go to lunch anywhere, we'll have to get a picnic. Just, just, hey, I want some Chiba Hut, man. I <laughs> want Chiba? some. Yeah, because yeah. you have a Chiba Hut down by your house, and I don't have one by my house, All and right. that shit's fucking phenomenal. So, Cameron so, Payne, if you're listening, wear yes. number 16. I want some Chiba Hut. I want one of those right. once. Guys, sound angry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, real, real quick, I want to talk yeah. about uh, the NBA stars having social justice jersey messages. Uh-huh. And a message that can be displayed without a player's last name appearing on the back of the jersey during the first four days of the restart. 
after the first story, four days, a player can still have the message on their Jersey, but the last name will be beneath. And what do you think of some of these? I mean, they're kind of, I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of kind of how the NBA did it. You know, I think the whole purpose was to give the NBA players a voice mm-hmm. in social justice. And instead they just kind of gave them a few options to pick from. Like you have like Rudy Gobert and, uh, uh, Pat Connington and Myers Leonard, they all have yeah. equality on their back. And then you got like Dame Lillard and Danny Green says, how many more CJ McCollin's going to have education reform. I mean, these are great messages, but don't you wish that the NBA gave the players an opportunity to personalize those a little bit more? Um, yeah, they could have, but they, it could have gotten really out of control. Um, I think if they just let them do whatever they want, but I mean, how far can you go with it? I mean, would you rather than just not do it at all if they can't do what they want in the back? Because it looks like they're just doing equality because the Black Lives Matter will be on the court. Like, they're going to have yeah. that painted on the court. So I guess it would be uh, – it wouldn't make much sense for them to have it on their jersey when it's already shown on the court. Um, but, I mean, would you rather them just not do this sin? Is that what, you, what you're – No, no. I, they should totally do it, but they should give the players a little bit more personalization. In yeah, it. but you like know? what – like the cop stuff? like the No, like – you know, like put, put George Floyd's name on the back of it. Oh yeah. You know, pick different yeah. people who've been, you know, affected by this and honor them yeah. that way instead of having like Enos Cantor say freedom on the back of his. And don't get me wrong. These are great messages. And I think it's yeah. a great thing that they're doing. I just think that they could have done a little bit more uh, personalization for the players and let them choose more than just like six options. Yeah, well, there's there's like twenty. I think there's twenty to thirty options. I I don't think we had the whole list, but um, there's there's a lot to choose from. It's just um, there's the cutoff point to where they couldn't go too far to what the players might want to have shown on their jersey, but at least the NBA tries and they're trying something different. Of course, you got to act out, not just from saying stuff on your jersey or having stuff on the court. You got to be. I feel like the NBA is going to try to be more active in this too, just physically. You know, they're going to try to push forward and do something different other than just having this like on their jerseys. And they'll probably do other things, too, to where things will be advertised um, for equality and Black Lives Matter. But just to actually get out there and be active is what I think the NBA players and the owners, uh, Adam Silver, all of them are going to continue to do. And that's that's the positive part, I think, in all of this. No. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of positive in it. I just think that personalization would have been a little bit better. But yeah, I know they're doing something. I know exactly. something, which no, is, I'm, that's I'm what you. matters. I'm totally with you on that. I just, you know, we'll start right here, I guess. We'll start with this and see <laughs> there, how much further can go. There you go. A uh, couple other things I want to talk about uh, inside the bubble before I talk about some other sun stuff. Uh, besides your yes. current, I saw this on the ringer. The ringer asked this question. I thought it was a good one and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Besides your current favorite team, obviously the Phoenix suns, if you could only watch one team's games in the bubble, which team is it and why? All right, ready? One, two, three. We're going to say the same team, all right? You think so? Yeah. All right. One, one, two, three. <laughs> We're so bad at doing these things. Just tell me who it is, and I'll tell you if I agree. The New Orleans Pelicans. Yes, right? the Pelicans. Is, yes. And that is my right answer. Oh, dude, absolutely. That, everyone's going to be watching this game. They're going to be so fun to watch when they're in the playoffs because you know they're going to make the playoffs when they're playing the number one or two seed it's going to be really competitive for one versus eight i think oh yeah well those first eight games are going to be fun to watch for the pelicans because they have the easiest schedule in the bubble and they're designed almost 
to get to that eight seed. So every game is going to kind of be like a playoff game for them because they're only three and a half behind the Memphis Grizzlies. They're playing the Grizzlies, I want to say twice. They're playing every other team that they need to like jump over in order to get there. So you have that kind of drama behind it. Then you obviously have Zion Williamson, who's going to be healthy. He's going to be lean-ish, you know, as lean as Zion can be. Then you have Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday. I mean, their team, I was, uh, uh, oh, gosh, yeah. Derek Favors, Jackson, uh, the rookie out of Texas. Jackson Hayes. Yeah, Jackson Hayes. Yeah. Like, I, I was watching a game the other night, and I forget who they were playing. Oh, no, I was watching NBA TV, and they were doing kind of like restarts. Uh-huh. They're doing, ha- doing half-hour restarts on every team, and I saw the Pelicans and the Sixers. And you watch the Pelicans, and it's just – they're so much fun to watch. I love their jerseys. They're probably my second favorite team in the NBA right now. Like, I thoroughly enjoy watching them. So that's absolutely who I'm going to be watching. If I'm not watching the Suns, I'm watching the Pellies. Yeah. And then if they get in there and they play the Lakers, like, that's just going to be so much fun because there's so yes. many storylines in there between Ingram and Ball and, you know – LeBron and how he didn't get along with them. And I mean, it's just, it's going to be quality television. That's what the NBA wants. That's what they want. Those two playing each other. You know, they do for years to come. Cause I think LeBron, there was a question asked too today about who would you give a 10 year contract to because Patrick Mahomes is receiving a 10 year contract. Yeah. I would say LeBron James. If I was a son, why would you give what? If I was a son, I would give him a 10 year contract. When you're 55, LeBron, when you're 55, you'll be going to pay you $35 million. <laughs> just get on the court. No, way man no i know i'd go jaw morant for 10 years for 10 years you oh can't i pick love anybody. i love jaw yeah, yeah you you can't pick anybody who's super young i mean maybe devin booker that only puts yeah. him at like 33 but i mean jaws he was a rookie this year you saw how much publicity he got his game i mean he's gonna be a, probably a better russell westbrook i think he's gonna be good he's gonna be really ja, good jaw's yeah. gonna be good that's another team that I'll watch in the bubble is Memphis to see how oh, they do. I want them you know? to lose. Them. I do too. I do too. They're, yeah. they're like the exact opposite of the Pelicans. Like I watched them with disdain, you know, like John yeah. Morant, I feel like should have been ours. Like we had the second worst record yeah, in the last year. We didn't get them. They have Jaron Jackson jr. Who gets so much more love than Deandre Ayton does. Oh it, yeah. It drives me absolutely crazy. I just don't understand it. Like he leads the league. I want to say in uh personal fouls per game, and like he yeah. shoots a couple threes and everybody's like, oh man, he's amazing. I just, I don't, I don't see it. I think he's going to be good. He's just not, he's, you can't rank him above DeAndre Ayton right now. I mean, he's, he's going to be right there with Ayton. I feel like in the, in the future, but I think Ayton's overall the best athlete, the best shooter, the best efficient shooter, even a passer. And he can probably hit threes now too. Like he's been saying. So we'll see. He'll, Ayton will be on top. Well, speaking of Ayton, one thing that we've been kind of monitoring all week is uh-huh. Ble- Bleacher Report and their top uh, 15 at each position. Okay. And if you go through and you look at it, Ricky Rubio did not make the top 15 for point guards. Yeah. Devin Booker was number five, which we discussed on our last podcast. Kelly Oubre came in, at, I want to say number 13 okay. for small forwards. It was 13 or 11, but somewhere right in there. Uh, Dario Sarch slash Mikael Bridges didn't touch the top 15 for the power forward position. Where do you think DeAndre Ayton came in for centers? Number seven. That's correct. You read yeah, the article. I just, I just looked it up. No, <laughs> I didn't even know it was out yet, but I just looked it up today. Yeah, it came out right, this I mean, morning. Right Number seven in the league behind that. Uh, Vucevic from Orlando. Bam Adebayo is number five down in Miami. You have Rudy Gobert, number four. You have Cat at number three. Number two, Joel Embiid. And number one is Nikolai Jokic. And I can't, awesome. argue, I, I can't argue with that list. It's a good list. Because that list is giving grades only for this season. To think that 
DeAndre Ayton is number se- the number seven center out of the entire league this year, and he only played 30 games, is motherfucking impressive. It is so great Kudos to see to that. Kudos to you, DA. Kudos he- to you. Oh, man. Like, he couldn't go any higher, I don't think. I wouldn't argue for him to go any higher. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's – what an honor. Good job, DA. Thank you. Good good job, DA. Thank you, Bleacher Report. (laughs) Making us happy. After I murdered them on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For Ricky Ruby, I was so pissed with them on Ricky Ruby. Yeah. Like, how is he not top 15, man? Well, it's like, – so- He should be 14 or 15, don't get me wrong. But, like, come yeah. on, man. So. Yeah, no, I know. It's it's tough, though, because every position besides a shooting guard, I feel like, has a lot of depth to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, for DeAndre Aiden to actually make the top 15 is – even though they say centers are not the thing anymore, even though the NBA changes all the time so oh, quickly. Yeah. It's like, don't draft centers now, which makes no sense. Because look at how deep that list is. Oh, I know. Tell, don't they, tell me they, you wouldn't want any of those guys on your team. And they have Giannis as a power forward. That's why he's not on that list. He was the number yeah. one power forward. And Anthony Davis was the number two power forward, even though both guys play both four and five. But yeah, see, but yeah. again, if you don't need a center until a, a team goes and wins a championship with a center. Then you need a center. Exactly. Yeah, that's the way the NBA is. Don't what listen you, to him. What have you done for me lately? Exactly. Uh, did you hear, did you hear Zach Lowe talking about Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, you know, I listened to his. I don't remember which podcast this was. I listened to his last two, but um, yeah, I mean, he chose him over Donovan Mitchell, right? Yeah, I love it. He said on his podcast that he was talking to someone around the league the other day, and they were just spitballing about players. You know, there's a lot of people within the league who think Donovan Mitchell is still a little bit overrated. Okay, and this guy was one of them. We were talking about who would you rather have, Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell. And I think the only skill in which Donovan Mitchell is ahead of Devin Booker is defense, and I don't think he's ahead by much, as you think he, uh, as you think he is. Passing-wise, yes. it's not close. D-Book is way better than Donovan Mitchell. And then I saw somebody comment, this was on Twitter, and then somebody commented, they're like, Donovan Mitchell is Jarrett Jack with a sneaker deal. I was like, oh, oh burn. Man, that's like, pretty okay, bad. He's not that bad, but I do like that in circles again – Devin yeah. Booker is getting that respect, and you're seeing it through the Bleacher Report. Uh, he top 15 where he was number five, and Donovan Mitchell was number eight. And if you looked at any jazz boards, obviously they're upset with that. They think that he's way better than he is. Uh, but I just I like that Devin Booker is getting the respect he is. Yes. I, again, just going into that bubble, I really hope that he tries to prove a point. Again, it's only eight games. I'm not expecting him to set the world on fire. But one thing I don't want. Here's the one thing I got for you, D Book. You're currently averaging 26.1 points per game. Don't drop to 25.9. Go out there and keep maintain your average. It just looks good. You know, oh, 26 yeah. and 6, that looks good. So that should be kind of a goal for him. 26 and 6 does look good. Um, that's Dude, it's easily, easily going to happen for him to maintain that. If not, it's going to go up. You know it is. Especially playing in the bubble, more of a gym atmosphere. It's just going to be a lot of yeah. shots thrown up there, I think. But, dude, the, the thing that was pointed out was the passing. I love that. I love. Well, you that. talked about that on our last pod. Yeah, but this is the thing I've always believed in Booker. Like, he just, he's a way better passer than what people think because he's had the time to learn. But he, his playmaking is just – it's going to be up there in a couple years. He's going to be a good playmaker. I know we give him a lot of shit because he's turned the ball over a ton. Yeah. Uh, but he is getting better uh, from the eye test just watching him. He, he honestly – he's making a difference on playmaking side of the ball. Well, you wrote something about him on Valley of the Suns this week, right? Yeah, it was just about him being the next um, great shooting guard. Because like I was saying, there's not a whole lot of depth – 
mm-hmm. in the years past from whenever uh, there's never there's always like one really 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 great point guard shooting guard and i just think he can be the next one in line the next couple of seasons so where he just owns that position and with you know statistics like this and being a better passer you know those are the kind of things that are going to yeah. get him to that level uh, another thing I saw this week was actually on The Athletic, and it was on the Warriors site. And they were talking about how they really want to pursue, or they should pursue, Kelly Oubre in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's something that we always talk about is whether or not Kelly Oubre will be with the team at the start of the 2021 season. And it makes sense if we part ways with Kelly Oubre. It's not something I want to do. I love yeah. Kelly Oubre. I love his energy. I love his swag. I love his soul. I love his head bobs. I love his push-ups. I love blowing kisses to the crowd. There's not a thing I don't like about Kelly Oubre. Maybe the fact that he wears number three just because too many guys have worn number three on the Suns. I wish he had probably a better number. That's it. I love Kelly. You love Kelly too, right? Yeah, love's a strong word. I don't really love any of the players, but I do like him a lot. I do. You have, you have strong affectionate feelings. For I him, do. Correct. And, yeah, correct. And his on on the floor game is most it, the way I I realize like the way he plays. It always looks like just like um, you're watching like a two year old, your two year old, or someone else's two year old, like on the on the couch, and they're about to fall off. You're like, like you know, that's the way his game is. It's like, oh, don't. okay, <laughs> kind of like the way Sean Marion was, you know? Yeah, same exact way. Um, I don't know why I brought that up. I was just saying, but well, but no, I mean that you were talking about what who is Kelly Oubre to you, and he's somebody who I like. But the disadvantage of Kelly Oubre was the fact that he signed that two year contract. So in signing a two year contract. What that does is that creates an opportunity for him to be an asset that another team could be greatly uh, interested in, especially after the year he had. I feel like time and time again with the Suns, we end up having to sell low on players, whether yeah. it's Eric Bledsoe. I mean, what did we get out of that? Like a shitty pick that we, I don't think we ever used and Greg Monroe. We, get, we always get to a point with players where they no longer have the value and we can't cash in on them. Exactly, yeah. Kel- Kelly Oubre is a guy who his value – might not ever be higher. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, he's known now. Because he, he wasn't anybody – no one liked him when he was mm-hmm. in Washington. As soon as he got to the Suns, he – I mean, looking on the top – he's on the top three. I mean, sorry, top um, small fours in the league from Bleacher Report. So he's made a difference. Otherwise, he wouldn't even be on that list if he was still in Washington. No, nope, very true. So he has – probably the max value you can get for him yes so you could you have one of two options you can trade him in the offseason and try to sell high on him mm-hmm. or you can have him play with us next season hope he contributes to the team is happy and then re-sign him after that and if he continues to blossom into a player you're gonna have to sign him to a big deal yes and i don't know if he has the capability to be that true number two score next to Devin booker no i and i don't either so with Sorry. all that said, it's interesting that the Warriors had a piece on The Athletic. Uh, who wrote this piece? It was Anthony Slater. So yes. he was, he's one of the beat writers for the, the Warriors over on The Athletic. And he was talking about how Oubre has taken that significant leap this season. He has a high upside, lower efficiency. Lower, he's a lower efficiency wing. Uh, who's, his stock was fading in Washington. He comes to the Suns. He blossoms. And then he kind of talks about how this would work. And I thought this was interesting. And this is what makes this appealing to me. He says, the Suns are probably going to pick in the 19 to 11 range, which we talked about a little bit earlier. And the Warriors exact placement determines their pick value, but they have really good odds of being in the top five. And that's just a different tier of players than Phoenix's pick in this upcoming draft. 
So what they're saying is if Phoenix views Obi Toppin as a perfect front court pairing next to DeAndre Ayton, where they really want LaMelo Ball, two players who we absolutely love. Those are probably the two players I want out of this draft is Toppin or Ball. What you can do is they can trade down with the Suns, get Kelly Oubre out of it, get the pick and Kelly Oubre. So we give them the 10 or 11 pick and Oubre, and then we can take their potential top five pick. Yeah. So that sounds pretty good. You know, it presents a win-win swap scenario. Phoenix jumps to get the prospect whose timeline and controllable contract pair perfectly with their young core. And the Warriors walk away on draft night with at least a season of Oubre and uh, a lottery prospect that they can believe in too. Because that's the other side of this. Kelly's going to cost us money, about $13 million next year. Mm-hmm. If we trade him, that frees up money. If we get rid of Javon Carter or Elia Kobo, that opens up some extra money. We might be able to make a run at somebody. I don't yes. know if uh, there's anybody out there who's truly that superstar next to Devin Booker, but there's some damn good complimentary players out there. There's there the is. Jeremy Grants, the, Danir- the Danilo Gallinari. Bertans. Bertans, you know, guys who probably might not want to go- come here just because they're free agents and they want to win. But I think, I mean, it, it well, would work yeah. out. Yeah. It would work out. It would. You can go so many ways with this, I feel like. Um, but it had me thinking when I first saw this article. It was like, wait, is this about the Suns trading for Draymond Green? But then that would take a lot more. Of course, you would have to trade uh, probably Ricky Rubio maybe uh, or else Mikael Bridges or else Cam Johnson just to make mm-hmm. like the money work. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, like. To have that pick though, because I just I just want Lonzo Ball or not Lonzo. L- L- I mean, I did Lamelo Ball, and I really wanted him on the team. Uh, that would be, I mean, I would do this in a heartbeat. And sure. I want Obi Toppin, and yeah. I would do it in a heartbeat. If we had a shot at one of those two guys, and we could trade and Kelly Oubre and our pick money. and get him, yeah. you'd save money. You'd open up more flexibility going into next season. You're not tied down to, but oh man. Kelly was awesome yeah. and he's gone. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's the first scenario I heard where I'm like, it, I actually kind of got excited about it. Yeah. And plus like, would you rather come back with Kelly Oubre or else would you come, rather come back with Lamelo or Obi Toppin and you can have um, Bertans if they can afford oh, yeah. to get them. Or, or you have Obi Toppin coming in off the bench with Mikel Bridges playing the four still, or maybe potentially playing the three, you brought back Sarich. I don't know. I mean, there's yeah. a million different little routes we can go down and rabbit holes, but I think that's kind of one of the first steps that would bring us to completion as far as a roster would be, because it would help our so starting too. lineup and it would help yeah. our bench and it would help our money moving forward, especially going into a year where money's going to be interesting. We don't know what's going to happen with the cap. And if you can get rid of that contract, that's probably going to be something that's uh, beneficial to the Suns. Yeah, it's just it's a rough world out there, man. Especially he just made that playlist, and you know I've oh, listened I know, to yeah. it for hours because <laughs> you know I want to be a Valley Boy or Bubble Boy. No. <laughs> and then now we're here, we are talking about trading him again. It's just it sucks because I just I want Kelly to earn that um, contract with us, but there's just things that you know I'm still skeptical about. So. Well, again, I just I'm not the one paying. Kind him, of, but, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> neither of us are, but yeah. we're the ones who are paying to see him. And exactly. I, th- yeah. I think that they've, he's, he's hit his full potential. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's got a whole nother level yeah, to go to and it's going to yeah. happen with us and it'll stay with us. And I, of course I'll be happy with that. Well, one thing uh, that we can't do this show without is. And we have yet another one. This is coming from Bleacher Report. And actually one of our Jamster listeners, Jonathan Che brought this up. And I, I thought this was kind of an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, the Suns would trade Ricky Rubio and a 2021 first round lottery protected pick 
and the Spurs would trade Derek White and Patty Mills. What is your opinion on this trade? I'm not even going to answer. <laughs> would you qualify with dumb <laughs> trade of the week? Yes. It doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> I don't even know where this came from. This uh, is like wait. pulled out of thin air, just like that uh, – the comment about Devin Booker's dad wanting him out and playing for New York or whatever, if you saw yeah. that earlier, <laughs> like this yeah. is like the same kind of crap. Yeah. Well, what's great is one of the, the NBA execs said like, LOL, like when it came to that trade, yeah, you know, all, all, all the stuff with Devin Booker, this is another one that the bleacher report. I mean, they're just pulling shit out of their ass at this point. Cause you look at it, Ricky Rubio, we have him for two more years after this making $16.2 million. And you have Patty Mills makes $12.4 million. And he's a free agent. I want to say at the at the end of next season. Maybe it's maybe he's a free agent this year. So that wouldn't even make sense. And then Derek White. I mean, why would we trade Ricky Rubio for oh. two shitty two shitty backup point guards and give up a lottery protected first pick? I don't know. I just you know, th- there's a reason why we have dumb trade of the week. And it's because the Bleacher Report likes to come up with at least one a week. I mean, we yeah. had to make a, a segment out of it because it's never fails. Yep, there's always one, man. We'll find them. We we'll will find, find them. them. And well, the, the find sad us. thing, the sad thing, yeah, they found us on this because John, <laughs> Jonathan Che hit us up. <laughs> yeah, that's but true. But it's right there on Bleacher Report. It's not like this is on like some Spurs yeah. fan site of a couple guys in their garage doing a podcast. This is like the Bleacher Report's reporting uh-huh. this. Oh, oh well, yeah. Hold on. Let me open another beer. Pisses me right off. Where do you get those beers at? They just fucking grow on trees or what? No, they come out of my uh, refrigerator, man. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's crazy how that happens. You buy them, you put in your fridge, you cool oh, those them down. Are the ones you drink them. Are those the ones oh, I bought? No, 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 no. No, those are gone. Oh, okay. No, these are new ones. This is on the way home after hitting golf balls in 109 degree heat. I'm like, you know oh, what? I need a beer. Yeah, rub yeah. it all over your chest. And... <laughs> it's like flash dance with Coors Light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Do you want to read our first uh, mailbag question this week? Yeah. So the first mailbag question of the week is, would it be smart for the Suns to go after Drew Holiday of the Pelicans as their starting point guard? I feel like he'd fit extremely well next to Booker and Aiden as we'd be putting in all defensive team talents by Devin Booker to aid him on defense and also help with perimeter perimeter scoring. And he also (laughs) has experience with playing with with all-star big man and AD and DeMarcus Cousins. And currently, uh, he is playing with... Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson. Okay, continue the question. So he would also be able to play with Aiden and get him the ball when and where he needs it. What are your thoughts? And this has probably crossed my mind a lot um, going back to last season, but what do you mm-hmm. think? Well, this uh, this question comes from Nash Porter, so thank you, Nash Porter, for yeah, thanks, sending Nash. us this uh, I never say the names at first. I just read them. Thank you, Nash Porter. And remember, if you want to send a question to the show, you can hit us up, sunsjamsession at gmail.com or visit our website, sunsjamsession.com and fill out the contact page there. So what are my thoughts essentially on getting Drew Holiday to the Suns? I would absolutely love it. Drew Holiday is a fantastic point guard who has been playing in the league for 10 years now. And player after player say, this guy is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. He's a great defensive player. Yes, he's played with a lot of big men. He knows how to play next to big men. Every sign points to, yes, I want Drew Holiday. There's one reason we, it, it wouldn't happen. You know what that reason is? Money, right? His contract, man. His contract. He's currently in the middle of a five-year, $131 million contract. He won't be an unrestricted free agent until 2022. So he still has two more seasons 
with the Pelicans making $25 million a year next year and $26.2 million the following year. Now, granted, you can make it happen if you ship Ricky Rubio and Dario Saric and, you know, some contracts, yeah. to, which there's no way that the Pelicans would want to do. No. You, have, you have Drew Holiday playing alongside Brandon Ingram, Derek Favors, Zion Williamson, Jackson Hayes. You have a young core with a veteran quality defensive point guard. There's no way they're going to give him up. There's a reason they signed him to that contract. Yeah. So, Nash, to answer your question, would it be smart for the Suns to go after Drew Holiday? Hell, yeah, it would be. Is it going to happen? Hell, no, it won't. Well, if you're if you're clearing players to make it to make it work money wise, I don't think that's a big enough splash really with Drew Holiday because I feel like you're getting a lot from Ricky Rubio and he's not overpaid at all. He's making great money. I feel like with the Suns, mm-hmm. so I don't understand. I know like he's probably a better defender, but I don't think he brings much more than what Ricky Rubio is bringing to this team already. So I feel like both teams are like in the same kind of bubble. They're both well, they're in the bubble right now, but they're both <laughs> the, in the campus same, man. Yeah, <laughs> the campus champ champs. Um, <laughs> So I feel like they're both the kind of the same teams, but I know like the the Pelicans are they have probably the more athletic players. Oh, more, without a doubt. But they Explosive both need that and dynamic. Yeah, they both need that leader, like what they have in Drew Holiday, and then we what we have in uh, in Ricky Rubio. So yep. I wouldn't really trade the two just because of the money. Like he said, I think he's just it's too much money, and if the Suns are going to clear that much space for somebody, it would be I feel like a a more needed position than point guard. I know you probably mm-hmm. switch them out, but I don't think it'd be worth it. Yeah, I think that, you know, you look at it and Ricky Rubio is making $17 million next year, 17.8 the following year before he comes an unrestricted free agent. And he's a year younger he's than – perfect. Yeah, he's a year younger than Drew Holiday. So if you are going to clear space and, and try to get somebody in here for the right price, a nice price, you want somebody who's a little bit younger. Because Drew Holiday is going to fall off here in a couple of years, right around the time he becomes an unrestricted free agent. That's probably when the Suns will get him anyways, when he's past his prime. Probably, yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll join the team then. That's how we do. Yeah, that's how we do. All right, we one more question. Uh, this is from Shilpa Dehape and start, bench, and cut. Sun's best centers. So Shilpa Dehape send us uh, our best two guards, our best three guards, our best uh, four center – three guards, our best threes, our best fours, and now he's asking about our best fives. So who would you start, bench, and cut Sun's best centers? Alvin Adams, Shaq, Mark West, Aiton. I would start Aiton. I would bench Mark West and then I'd cut Shaq because Shaq is like, he's basically causing trouble in the locker room being too funny. You know, this, this team's focused to actually win some games and he can't be like pulling off these pranks and stuff to distract people. So I'm cutting him for sure. He's in, he's in that locker room punching people. It's yeah. There's just not, there's three people on the team and he's cut you know <laughs> <laughs> well see i'd start Aiden. i'd bench alvin adams okay alvin adams who's the oklahoma kid double a one of the best sons in sons history had a great career with the sons and yeah. was was a really good bench player around the back end of his career so i think that he's somebody who could come in off the bench and help you probably not in the modern nba uh he was he's too small he was our center for 10 years he was six foot nine so i mean it was just a different time and a different era uh, and then I would probably, yeah, cut Shaq without a doubt. Because the, yeah. the version of Shaq that we got isn't the Los Angeles Lakers or Orlando Magic Shaq. We got the Shaqtis 
back you know when he was coming up with nicknames to keep himself relevant Shaq and yeah that's not that's not a guy I need on my yeah. team well Mark West I just I chose him basically because we were going back to watch like the old 90s finals and stuff and you're just like yeah. oh my god Mark West is so good he was like a beast, he was man. he was I never even realized how good he was so that's why it kind of stuck in my head for this question he was a beast. All right, I got one more question that I actually found on Reddit. Yes, what is and it? And this is from user Triple AZ30. And he says, Do you guys think Mikel Bridges can one day average 18 to 22 points per game? I thought that was an interesting question. That I want to hear your question. thoughts on that, Matthew. Really good question. And what it, Kelly, Kelly Oubre is averaging almost 19 points a game. So I think it's doable. And the, the only way for it to be doable for Mikel Bridges, I think, is if he has that inside game to where he can take people off the dribble, he can make quick putbacks uses length uses arms to like really get in there and grab the ball and tip stuff back in getting points that way would really help him get towards 20 points a game i think it is doable because i think he's going to be a starter next year but i really see him next year maybe averaging like 15 to 16 and then the year after that he'll probably get up to 20 that's what i that's what i see in the future god having the kill bridges score 20 points a game would be so fantastic i mean that's that's probably ceiling for him i feel mm-hmm. Uh, but again, he's just—he's a guy who has such a great defensive prowess. Yeah, uh, has a really good-looking three-point shot at the end of the season. Like all of a sudden, it wasn't pretty at the beginning of the season, but he—he he fixed it, and all of a sudden, he was looking pretty good. And you look at him—I mean, on the season this year, he had what, like eight, eight points a game, something like that. Yeah. So somebody who definitely needed to work on his offensive game. But as the season went on, and you look at the last bit of the season, 21 points, 18 points, 12, 15, 13, 10, 18, 14. I mean, he was getting those double-digit scoring opportunities. He had 26 in the game against Boston. When they went to that Bober lineup, Mikael Bridges excelled because he, did, he didn't need to be – you know, he's not even – he's a tertiary option. He's like the fourth, guy, fourth option out there. You know, well, maybe third. Because you got Booker, Aiton, Oubre, then him – and at that clip, he could average probably about 18 points a game. And if we get Mikael Bridges scoring 18 points a game as our fourth option, we are a dangerous team. And I think that's something that it could happen. Like you said, he needs to work on that inside game. He's got the three ball kind of working for him. He really needs to work on his rebounding. You know, his offensive rebounding, I feel, is an area of opportunity for him. It's just not something that he really did a lot of this season. Mm-hmm. And if he gets those offensive boards, he can take them right back up and – uh and have an impact. You know, he yeah. averaged four rebounds a game this year, 0.9 on the offensive side. So rebounding was always kind of Kelly's strength and not uh-huh. Mikel Bridges' strength. So if he really works on that rebounding, he can get some of those putback points. The, that 8.7 points per game all of a sudden becomes 15 points per game. Throw a three-pointer in there, boom, there's your 18. Yeah. Yeah, you think more like of his goal for a player um, to be in the future would probably be like maybe a Draymond, but I think he's just longer than a Draymond Green. So like we said, it helps with the putbacks, but he needs to not be so fragile around the rim and like find yes. a way, find a purpose to get to the rim. Because he's so, dude, once he spreads those wings, he can like put back any ball that's bouncing on the rim. Well, and that's what he was kind of finding about around the end of the season. You know, when he started averaging more points a game, it's because he would go to the rim and he'd put the ball up and he yeah. – he, he he outreaches everybody. Yeah, They're not blocking his shot because – and it was almost like you'd see it on his face. He's like, oh, shit, I'm long. <laughs> like, yeah. these guys are trying to swat it. They're missing. And he's just laying the ball in. And, like, yeah. you see that, and all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, it's coming together for him. So I hope that we get to that point where he's scoring 18 to 20 points a game because that's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, as long as we believe in him. It'll get to that point to where he will be as long as we're consistent with him. As long as he believes in himself. Yeah, I believe in him. And Monty believes in him because you know what? He gets to play basketball. He don't got to play basketball. Yep. 
Boom. Can't say it any better than that. <laughs> well, I think that concludes the podcast for tonight. Uh, we appreciate all you Suns Jamsters stopping by and hanging out with us. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Suns Jam. Hit the Facebook page. Stop by SunsJamSession.com. Email the show, SunsJamSession at gmail.com. Follow us on Bright Side of the Sun. You can uh, follow Matthew. At Matthew Lissy. And you can pick up his articles on Valley of the Sun. And you can, you can see mine on Bright Side of the Sun. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out. It's time for me to go get another beer. So I'm done talking. All right. We'll see you later. Everybody stay home or go home and love your family. Amen. Amen.